Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. Uh, I'm David Baddiel. Uh, this is a David Bowie podcast. Well, it's not just a David Bowie podcast. Uh, at the starting point of the podcast will be David Bowie and my fandom of David Bowie and other related music. And also Tim Hinks, who is sitting with me. Hello, Tim. Hi, David. Uh, Tim, you're a television executive. Thank you. We're sitting in your building, essentially, that you've bought we are, it's for tax reasons that we are here. I don't think yeah. it's the best sort of atmosphere, right? No, there no, may I be a think few. it's fine. I think it's a very nice room. It's a lovely uh, company that you've created, Expectation Entertainment. Congratulations on wow, that. Wow, it's a plug <laughs> from <laughs> you. Yeah. We've, we, we're in multi-genre company. We well, cover all the bases. Expectation Entertainment are producing this podcast. And we're producing this podcast. Yeah. Um, so far, quite badly, because it's quite self, self-referential. No, right? I think but, that's but, fine. Okay. And but you happy are... Happy to be here. Here, really not as that person, but because you, you, you too are a Bowie fan. Perhaps you could tell uh, the listening audience, because we have to do this, this is a legal thing, what stalking time for the Moon Boys is a reference to. It, it, so it comes from it's a line from one of from Bewley Brothers mm. or the Bewley Brothers. Actually, was it the Bewley Brothers? No, it's Bewley I don't Brothers. know. Actually, you see we're that? showing our knowledge already. No, no, but that's a good question. Um, I think it's I think it's the Bewley Brothers, which is off Hunky Dory, which, yeah. as we might discover later, for anyone still listening, might be of the great golden, let's say, ten year period of Bowie, my least favorite album. Oh, really? Um, although it's obviously brilliant. So yeah. in other words, it's brilliant. And the others are, you know, even more than brilliant. Right. But something about it. But this song is an incredible song because it's where Bowie is one of the first... If you're, quote, if you're writing a book about Bowie and you're a bit lazy, mm. you basically start lifting stuff. I think it's one of the first songs you lift stuff off. Mm. And you describe him, don't you, as comedian, Corinthian and caricature. Yeah. Um, is there uh, another There's line, another yeah. adjective. There's another there? adjective. Comedian, can, can, comedian Corinthian... I feel there's another one, yes. and caricature, but it begins with C. It's what could it be? Comedian. Cockaleaky. Corinthian. Uh, um, oh, yes, you're quite Candlestick right. maker. Um, yes, that's it, candlestick maker. <laughs> Comedian, Corinthian, candlestick maker, and, and Corinthian. Yeah. Um, caricature. We, yeah. You said caricature. Caricature, comedian, Corinthian, <laughs> caricature. You sure that's not all there is? <laughs> Maybe it's comedian, all there is. Corinthian. Comedian, Maybe there should have been another one and David didn't realise it. Should we do a podcast about someone else that we know a bit more about? <laughs> no. Um, so people often quote that, but it's one of those um, 
I suppose it's one of those brilliant songs, isn't it, of his that seems, as you're listening to it, seems to make perfect sense. You know, he's telling yeah. you an absolute truth, um, but he's 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 all over the place in what he's covering, what he's talking about. Um, and Hunky Dory was that strip for me. Is that album? As I say, it's not my favourite, but that veers from these sort of songs that ever... So when he died, mm. which I don't think it's the first time you've found this out, mm. I'm not breaking it to you, well, he died. Could have broken it a bit more um, There'll be people listening to this who will have a heart attack. Um, he died two years ago. Yeah. Um, he, uh, people kept saying... The people who weren't fans, for mm. me, said, oh, I love... Ch-, they said, I love Changes, I love Starman. Mm. Um, and maybe Oh You Pretty Things came up a lot, and of course, Life on Mars. Mm. So in other words... It's that one of those albums that's very popular. People, it's a bit of a go-to album, mm. but I don't think ultimately it has the staying power. Okay, well, let's leave yes, that. right. I almost completely disagree, uh, but we that's can come good. back to that. Yeah. More importantly, I played a, yes. a bit of We Are The Dead yeah. as the opening uh, intro music. Now, one thing about doing a podcast is there's a lot of, if you use music, a lot of weird legal regulations to do with uh, what music you're allowed to play and what you're not allowed to play. And we're only allowed to play very small amounts of music, despite this being a podcast about music. And I think we have to comment on it to make it uh, sort right. of allowed for us. We can't just play it like it's radio. So we're allowed to play 10 seconds. Chameleon. I, I, we said that. Comedian, chameleon, <laughs> Corinthian and, and caricature. caricature. There are four. four. Yeah, hooray. Sorry. There are just... four. <laughs> Brilliant. I can't believe you've been thinking about that it's whilst I've been talking. ironic that we couldn't see Chameleon in some sense. It was <laughs> lost in the back of the... So that's what is. is that a chameleon? All, all no way of telling. <laughs> so so anyway, uh, I played a bit of uh, We Are The Dead from the album Diamond Dogs. And I want... To, is there, did you notice anything about it? I'm going to play it again. Did you yeah. notice anything about any, the way he says any of this? Is it the fact that he seems to say Tonde? <laughs> yes. It, it, when he says today in the first one, the second time he says it, in my opinion, he says Tonde. Let's listen to just that I think that there's no bit, question. Right? Let's listen to it again. Yeah, Tunde. Tunde. Now, amazingly, uh, we checked uh, the word Tunde, however you might want to spell it, on the internet, and an incredible, you know, the circle being circled. Is that how you say it? You can't say squaring. I've never understood squaring Square, the circle. Squaring the circle. No, um, I, what I mean is that yes. an extraordinary makes sense of the whole thing. Mm. The only Tunde that we actually found on the internet was an astronaut called Major Abacha Tunde, uh, who was a Nigerian email scam. Uh, you know the way that Nigerians <laughs> yeah. sometimes say, or sometimes. you get emails from pe- people in Nigeria saying, I've been mugged, yes. and you've got to yes. send me some money, yes. or, I'm, or I'm the prince of Nigeria, yes. and it turns out you're my son. He says you've you, got to buy yeah. Bowie bonds. No, he's, I think he's stuck in space, uh, in, the, in a space uh, station, and he needs three million quid to get back to Earth. <laughs> he's actually stuck in space. Now? Major, now, yeah, yeah. Well, February 2016 he sent this. Uh, and uh, he's doing the rounds on social media was the fact that Major Tunde was literally out of his tin can. I've got a picture of it here. With his wife missing him very much. Well, I imagine anything he could bring to get money would have been been involved. So he probably said, and my wife is missing me. Please send me three million uh, to get home, which I think is not enough. Do you know what shirts he wears? Uh, Well, they don't show this. Right. But it could be the case that when Bowie refers to Tunde... On Diamond Dogs, he is more pre- prescient than even he knew. I think he would be annoyed by that because 
he got quite annoyed, didn't he, about being told that all he did was write about space. Yes. Did uh, he get annoyed by that? Yeah, well, he said he, he, said he got... So if you, if the trajectory goes, he, Space Oddity, you know, you know, when it released, which is another one of those songs everyone says they love, Winnie Duck, which I love. Yeah. We probably both love Space Oddity, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's an extraordinary song. But, of course, that wasn't a hit until six years later when he was sort of properly famous. Or it was a minor hit, but it became... And I think the thing goes, the release of singles, in a sense, in people's minds goes, he did Space Oddity, and the next one that people noticed was Starman. Mm. And so people started saying, you're quite... And then, of course, there's Major yes. Tom Backrow. So he got so annoyed about There's a sense of that it. space alien yes. thing. But that was very early 70s. Like, because when Elton John does Rocket Man, yes. which is a brilliant song, but I've always thought, well, you clearly, or Bernie, talking, mm. they thought, well... This is a thing now. David Bowie's done Space Oddity. He's done Starman. You know, we should write songs about yes. astronauts and space mm. and aliens mm. or whatever. Uh, so, but of course, we had landed on the moon in 1969. Big thing, big thing. Uh, and presumably it was in a lot of people's minds. But you're right that the idea of Bowie, by the way, I, by the way, we're going to have to bring this up, but let's just, there's going to be a bigger discussion. I actually tend to call him Bowie. And I know well, that's incorrect. Yeah, why do you do that? Because that correct. was when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, um, he was Bowie, I think, or certainly in Dolly's Hill. Mm. And actually, we may as well now, even though we haven't come to it uh, quite as I imagined, talk mm. about why we are Bowie fans. Mm. Now, not probably not the greater realm, because mm. obviously that's a very big discussion, mm. but I mean how we came to Bowie. And yeah. I came to Bowie. Mm. First of all, I was in Dolly's Hill. I grew up in a place called Dolly's Hill which for anyone listening to this, and, you know, I rather hope people are listening to it all over the world. I'm listening. <laughs> they won't know where Dollis Hill is. It's in London. It's a very dull suburb uh, in northwest London. And uh, we used to play in a place called Gladstone Park in London, football mainly, me and my brothers. It was always frightening. There was always people trying to beat you up. Once, right. in fact, quite famously within our own family law, some hard kids came up to my older brother, Ivor, and said, can we throw your younger brother into those holly bushes, and I've said yes, which I, I, I haven't. Re I haven't really forgiven I him for. They were going to offer him some sort of dilemma: can we throw your younger in the bushes, or this? Just can we do that? And he said yes. It, it, it wasn't like vote now, you know, for which one of these options. Right, no, you want. no, it was literally just right. can we? Do it. it was nice of them to ask at some right. level. Yeah, yeah, but uh, they knew what answer they wanted, and neither <laughs> I obliged. He, I hardly thought about it as far as I can make out. I can. It was very painful and awful. But before that, uh, a, a kid was probably the hardest kid in our area called Eddie. I remember him very clearly coming up to me once, and I was frightened because I thought he was just going to throw me into some holly bushes. Instead, he said, who's your favourite pop star? And I was about, I don't know, wow. eight or nine at the time. And I think I said Cliff Richards. <laughs> then you were thrown into the bushes again. <laughs> yeah. I think that might have been my only pop star I knew about at the time. Devil Woman I knew about. I rather liked Devil Woman, uh, which is the edgiest, I would say, of the yes. Cliff Richards songs. Yeah. Uh, it's the first single I ever bought. Wired for sound, of course, he was sporting a Walkman and was quite cool, right? So he, no. Was he actually cool? I'm trying to help you out. No. I'm trying to help your nine-year-old self out. I don't have to. Devil Woman, <laughs> I think, was, you know, as edgy as he got. It's as Bowie as he got. But anyway, Eddie said to me that his favourite pop star was David Bowie, who I'd never heard of. I'm pretty sure he said So what Bowie. kind of year would that, when would that be? Like 1972, okay. 73. Um, and I felt so grateful to David that Eddie hadn't hit me in the face or put me in a holly bush, that this was, in fact, his purpose, to come up and discuss popular music yes. with me, uh, that I went and found out about Bowie. And it wasn't actually a few years later till I properly went and, and found out about him. And, in fact, I was always catching up with Bowie until about Heroes. It was only about Heroes when mm. I was actually... And when I went and saw him on the Isolar tour 
1978 Earl's Court, though, was actually in tune with what he was releasing. I was probably buying yes. an Ad Insane and Diamond Dogs. That's an amazing uh, thing to have seen. That, yeah, that it was tour, it yeah. was incredible. Uh, so that's where that's where I how I came to Bowie. How did you come to Bowie? Just um, before because we've just picked that. Sorry, just going back to Tom Day. Um, yeah. which, and we'll pick, we can pick this up later. Yeah. It slightly relates to how I got into. One of the amazing the things about Bowie is why he's sort of so cool is he he sort of he you know famously he never there's no compromise he leans into everything and just goes for it. So when he makes mistakes, mm. it's actually a sort it was a source to my teenage self of huge amusement. Okay. A friend of mine. So things like that. There's also fa- I mean we've got it, but it might be tricky. To, but there's a brilliant bit in the Ziggy Stardust live album when he's doing um, uh, the uh, Let's Spend the Night Together, and he says something like. Uh, my mouth's, my uh, my tongue's going red. My mouth's getting dry. I am off my head. So he's so far so good. Mm. Absolutely, he's a rock star. I'm off my head, and my mouth's going dry. It's an absolute repeat <laughs> of what he's already established. And he says it. He's David Bowie. So have, you believe we, him? Can we hear that? I think yeah, we've got can it. We well, find what it? I notice about that, we've so I mean, he basically. What are the lyrics at that? Point? Um, What's he got? I'd wrong? have to say he's well. Certainly, he doesn't tell you twice that his mouth's. No, I, 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 well, what I'm, I noticed, and I I'm don't sure if, Jagger Richard didn't didn't write that because no. if they had written it, I think at that point you'd have say, "Oh, are they just telling us they've got some problem, maybe yes. some symptom well, of Parkinson's or something <laughs> like that." There's two things about, or maybe Bowie, Bowie just wanted to well, drink really badly. Well, Bowie and, often repeats words, doesn't he, in his lyrics? Obviously, he often yeah. repeats. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm repeating the fact that he repeats words oddly. I've got no other way of saying that. He repeats yeah. words, so he doesn't see it. But I think this is more of a mistake in the moment. And what I notice is, it's a bit disappointing because I think there was an old version of this where you could just hear that, or maybe it's a bootleg. They fade him down. Oh, what? As, as a kind of like propaganda, airbrushing out his mistake. I think thing. really mild kind of, propaganda. It's, to a be star, it's a Stalin history working. I think because he made a mistake. I suspect someone much lower down than Stalin would have dealt with well, this. Well, you said of that, stuff. but maybe Bowie did. Um, and maybe, I'm saying, yes. by the way, I, I, we, we are jumping backwards and forwards. Eddie said Bowie. I think in the early 70s, David Bowie was Bowie. And I think the Bowie right. thing, which he confirmed. I think later on I've seen an interview of him confirming it, although I have also seen an interview where he basically says sort of, you know, oh, it's up to you, but I think it's Bowie. Uh, but I, I think when I came of age, it was it was Bowie, and that's what I've always had in my in my head. Uh, but I am interested in whether we can find yeah. Bowie's mouth going Well, dry. I'm telling you what... Just I'm to be d- clear, for for uh, for because uh, I think our publishers may, again, be worrying about this, Let's Spend the Night Together is a Rolling Stones song written by Jagger Richards that's right, uh, and covered by Bowie on uh, Aladdin Sane. Uh, and then presumably also played live. I'm not aware of this live version of it. Uh, so these lyrics, which, so which he can, got wrong, would have been written by Jagger Richard. Yeah. Um, but we, you don't know what they actually are, because I think we I, need to know to understand how Bowie had fallen yeah, from his... Yeah, well, I think I could find them. Of cool. Here we go. Okay, so what happens there? Is he supposed to sing? I'm going red and my tongue's getting tied. Uh, I'm off my head and my mouth's getting dry. He says he kn- my tongue's going red. No, I'm going red and my tongue's getting tied. No, no, but he says my tongue's going red. Does he? And my mouth's getting <laughs> dry. <laughs> Could have been a real cry for help. <laughs> oh, he had a lollipop. <laughs> he had a really unpleasant lollipop. Which, of course, comes back to haunt him in later years, doesn't he? Gets one in the eye. Maybe that was a lollipop. Yes, someone threw a lollipop on stage, didn't he? At the beginning, in. 
2000 and something. Well, so many terrible things happened to but Bowie's no, no, eyes. It's, 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 <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, no, he got a lollipop thrown. Did he? Well, yeah. that's another strange coincidence, um, along with the, the astronaut Major Tonde. But, but, but let me so, just clear yeah, up before we yeah. go on to... Because one thing I would say, one, what, just to say, one reason I'm doing this podcast with Tim Hinks is uh, I think I, I'm a Bowie fan. He's a Bowie fan, but he is also, I would say, uh, a proper Bowie nerd. I mean, you've just demonstrated it there with the lollipop connection uh and i that this is what this is about this is a podcast about really going to the minutiae of what it means to love uh, and david bowie and and indeed to sometimes therefore uh find bits of david bowie that david bowie might not want us to find but we're going to find them out he's dead he doesn't know so this bit he sung you're saying he sung my tongue's going red and my mouth's getting yeah. dry he must have, at some level, panicked mid-song yes. because the next line is off my head and my mouth's getting dry. Yeah. So either he, you're right, and he did, he actually sings it again, and they faded it down, or is it the case that he just thinks, "Oh, I've repeated that line. I, do, I, will do, I will just walk away from the well, mic." My my memory is, but maybe you're right about that. My by the way, the Huffington Post headline is. David Bowie kept playing a show even after a lollipop became stuck in his eye, <laughs> which is that, as good a testament okay. as you'd want. Yeah, I'm sure that's not correct, um, is it? Yeah, yeah, no. no. It didn't get stuck in his eye. Oh, that's like a cartoon thing to happen. If I threw it, a lollipop, well, you wear glasses, I, yeah. know, so it's not going to work anyway. It's going to bounce but off. But if I threw a lollipop, you, if you took off your glasses, it wouldn't stick in your eye you, unless you were a cartoon. It would be, it would it would be a hell of a thing to pull off rock and roll suicide with a lollipop sticking out your <laughs> well, eye. I guess still. it could have been like a very sticky lollipop, but more likely it, it just hurt his it, eye. Yes, it didn't get, so we should correct it that. It would have been absolutely amazing if, we, when was that? Ni- apparently 1997. It would have been amazing if that corrected. The, the thing that oh. was wrong with his eye after so all those years. So if it was a blue years. lollipop and it went into the brown eye. His eyes are not actually different colours. Uh, yes. It's, what, the, what, it's just the pupils are different yes, sizes, which yes. makes them look different colours. Right, right. Uh, and as we know, right. that's from him being hit in the eye by... George Underwood? George Underwood. Well done. George <laughs> Underwood. It was George Underwood. He was yeah. his best mate. His best mate. I mean, yeah. I, actually, I think if my best mate had damaged my eye that badly, he wouldn't be my best mate anymore. Yes. But George always no, he, calls it himself Bowie's best mate. You see, I'm calling him Bowie and Bowie. So yeah, I can't, well, I, I'm, I can't I'm, fix on it. I'm definitely Bowie, but I understand why. But I think the the so I see I in my memory you can hear him sort of fluffing that you know very clearly. But maybe I've sort of made that up, you know maybe that's false memory syndrome, and it's always him as you say coming back from the mic. But, but the you point, haven't ex- answered my question. Oh, what was it? How did you right cut, get into Bowie in so the first place? I'm a bit younger than you, and so Are I'm you? I think oh, sorry, well I must be because well I'm fifty. Yes, you are. So, I'm 53. Oh, okay, well, only a tiny bit. So I suppose the thing is, when he is... I'm always jealous of those people who go on to I Love 1972 or but and say... You shouldn't be jealous of them. No, maybe not. I mean, I get asked to do that stuff a lot. Do you? And it always depresses well, me. Well, what they always... I always think, has it come to this? Yeah, well, yeah. All, all, what they, you should just say that on camera. That's all <laughs> well, I'm actually, saying. Well, what I, I say it to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say no. Yeah, well, that's probably the right well, way I have to been do on it. them. Because occasionally with the 90s things, because people associate me with the 90s. Have you done... You've done some. Well, it's kind of weird because I, 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 like sometimes I'm like the talking head and then they ask me about me. Which can be wow. can feel weird. What do you? Yeah. And so like, like, mostly you're the. It's the. It's they talk about you because actually I was going to ask you because I never asked you this. When you you I mean I quite enjoyed the nineties. I had quite yeah, a good time, oh, but yeah. you were right in the part I, of it. I was. Were you still? Was Bowie still a thing for you in the nineties? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. well, he was a thing for me. Although once you've told me how you got into right. Bowie, because you need to answer that. We can get on to what mm. is essentially our subject for today, mm. which is 
uncool Bowie, which you brought up already, which is the coolest man in the world, but there are times when he was uncool, even during his coolest moments, and then then there were long periods, perhaps, when he wasn't cool, one of which was maybe the 90s or certainly the sort of tin machine time or whatever. Mm. So we'll come back to that. But firstly, I, I think right. I do need to know what your uh, Eddie in the Gladstone Park moment yeah, was. Yeah, I don't know if I have a moment like that. I think that... Um as I say, I'm so when when he's you know when he's broken through a Ziggy, I'm sort of six unhelpfully or five. So I didn't get any of that and didn't get any of that excitement, which means I can't go on. Not that I'd be asked onto I love whatever and saying when he put his arm yeah. on Mick Ronson, you know that yeah. really annoys yeah, I don't me. believe. That. I don't think anyone's. I think they've only seen it on I Love 1972. No, they? what it is, it's like people saying they were there when Jack the Hat McVitie, yes, is that his name, <laughs> that was that a biscuit, <laughs> got killed by the Cray Twins. Mick Ronson. Yeah, is it? I can't remember what happened to him. Jack the Hat McVitie got killed by the Cray Twins, and, and apparently. Like every right. person in London over 60 who considers themselves a gangster says yes. they were there. Similarly, every person who wants to claim a bit of Bowie or a bit of that time will say, I remember watching at home Starman yes. when he put his arm on me. I thought he was pointing to me. Yes. And I always think, fuck off. No, That's I, just I, something I, you've heard on I Remember exactly. the 1970s. Just like, and then I went up to the free trade hall to see the pistols yes, and exactly. all those That's things. So, thing, yeah. so I didn't have that thing, sort of thing to pretend about, uh, as you say. So... Basically, in the sort of, it must have been about 1980. So I'm dimly aware of Bowie as a sort of thing because he's ashes to ashes is out and stuff like that. But I wasn't really into that. What I was into is I had a very, who's a good, still a really good friend, a friend at school called Piers, whose sister, Sophie, was really into Bowie. And she had. It's sounding it, quite upper middle class. Can well, I say so your, worth, your upbringing? I mean, one day we should maybe. Piers and Sophie. If, yeah, well, if this goes on, we should invite Piers in one day. Okay. Um, because he was quite an interesting, almost Bowie-ish kind of guy, who right. I'm still very in touch with, in that, well, this isn't very Bowie-ish, he got thrown out, as far as I could tell, of his private school and came to my school, which was right. a sort of big, sort of comprehensive school, and was wore pink leather jackets and was quite interesting, quite mm. flamboyant, and I was quite um, attracted to sort of being his mate. Um, and his sister, Sophie, so they were quite posh, had scary monsters, and I remember listening to that with him on a Walkman. This mm. is now sounding like some, I love 1982, but it's, it's okay. really, listen to that on a Walkman, and I suppose sort of thinking, I do like, you know, what was it, about 82 at this point. So I do like Echo and the Bunny Men. Am I mm. liking them about them about then? Yeah. And I do like, so I'm not like not liking all the stuff that's going on, but I'm very, really attracted to the songs and the songwriting. Yeah. And this is where I have to be careful here. It's obviously sensitive ground. But I think Mark Chapman killing, murdering John Lennon is such a significant thing for people of a certain age, obviously significant for Lennon. Uh, and um, Yoko. And Yoko. And and, and so and all of those. So I'm not saying it's as significant as that in any way, shape yeah. or form. Yeah. But I think what happens is he, he murders John Lennon and suddenly there's a slight sort of bump in the space-time continuing, mm-hmm. uh, to continuum. And we're all listening to the Beatles. Right. And we're listening to songs that are being written on guitars and... Mm. and, and so not, not sort of 80s electronica, right. but we're listening to those songs and getting into them. And so I think I'm by that time, I'm into the Beatles. And so when I hear Bowie, mm. I sort of recognise a slightly sort of similar, you know, really interesting songs, songs you can sort of live and breathe and get into, weird words, um, but great melodies. And yeah. I'm, into, I'm into that. I'm then into Ziggy Stardust quite... So suddenly you've got the advantage of this catalogue of this 10-year period. And then I just get obsessed with every single album with peers, even to the extent that we... Picture us sleeping in the same room together. It, was there mum's. a homoerotic element? Because you've mentioned the pink jacket. I think you've mentioned being attracted to him. Yeah, uh, and now you're talking about sleeping in the same room and listening to Bowie. 
I mean, it's fine. I think it's as a fine. teenager, there are all sorts of things going on, David. Oh, there, there, there yeah. are, yeah. And especially, uh, I mean, Bowie was all about that. And Bowie was all about that. So, But I don't think there was a homoerotic thing. I think there was genuinely a love of that music. And the one album we got obsessed by was the Duram stuff, the you know, the various David Bowie albums, listening to those weird songs. London you know, Boys. London Boys and Sell Me a Coat. Right. And, um, I was obsessed with the leather jacket. Yeah. Leather jacket. And, um, Sell Me a Coat is a bit weird. I haven't... Yeah. It's an extraordinary song. But so just getting into every bit of Bowie there was very, very quickly and just feeling like this was more important and more interesting than any other music okay. I listened to. Well, well, yes, I agree with all that. And also, uh, while we're setting the stall out, but I want to go back to the minutiae soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, after when Bowie died, uh, yeah. I... I went to a terrible, really mainly, event at the Union Chapel. Um, and no doubt the person who organised it is listening, so I apologise. But it was mainly terrible. I mean, it was very sweet, because, uh, but it was just put together very quickly with lots of different bands yes. and lots of different people covering Bowie, mainly terribly, although there was one extraordinary thing, which was David McCalmont singing Sweet Thing. That would have been incredible. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. I remember incredible. you saying that. Oh, that's um, extraordinary. Uh, but uh, I did a little speech at that thing, and my speech was about how I'd sort of got pissed off, uh, even though I was impressed with the outpouring of love and whatever and respect and awe and all the pieces that were written. But I thought, God, they're all about how he's a shapeshifter, how he's an artist, how he changed fashion, how he's, he was an icon for gay people and blah, blah, blah. And all that is great. Uh, but what I said was the key element with David Bowie is the songs, is the melody, yeah. is the music. And he is actually, in my opinion, the greatest songsmith that British pop music has ever had. And if it wasn't for the songs, he would be Jabriath. Do you know who Jabriath is? I don't. Jabriath was an American sort of copy of Bowie, who Morrissey is very obsessed with. Okay. Uh, and he's just a very camp bloke who wore a lot of yes. costumes, a Piero costume, lots of, tried to do characters and all the rest of it, mm. and was just basically shit. Mm. Uh, and so that's the point, is you can do as much character mm. on stage, mm. or as much fashion, yes. pushing the envelope as you like. If you haven't got the music, it's all kind of pointless. Also, I think there's an amazing thing about his voice, isn't there? Because the vo if you hear him, I mean, we're going to get on to uncool stuff, but if you hear him speak, 
he seems, I mean, I he seems very uncomfortable in his own skin. You're mm. never quite sure what voice he's going to use. There's the sort of Cockney thing. Yeah. There's a slightly posh one. Yeah. There's the sort of very fey sort of yeah. like, and you never, so he seems very uncomfortable. When he sings, he seems, that seems to disappear King's speech style. Yeah. Um, and yeah. he just becomes this incredible, but he can all, but he can sing in so many different ways. So I saw, after he died, I saw, um, the Tony Visconti, you know, do the he does this sort of reunion. He did Man Who Sold the World. You, you have like, Tony, Tony Visconti, who was Bowie's and producer. Would, yes, in, the, in what we it was actually Bowie's producer <laughs> in um, the golden period. And, and who is it? Mick Wood. Is it, is, it yeah, Woody, 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 uh, Woody Woodmansey on on drums, and that's it. There is a spider from Mars, basically. Uh, yeah, a spider from um, Mars. Tony Visconti and a spider from yeah. Mars. <laughs> 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 Who, um, you know, he's a really good drummer. But, yeah, and know, then, but some bloke also well, sings. That's so the that, point. that was my main issue, so, with not going to that. Yes, so the, so the singer was Glenn. Um, he's really good, you know, from um, Heaven 17. Right. Glenn, what's his name? I Glenn. Don't know. I, I'm really not a Heaven 17 aficionado. Do I mean Heaven 17? Yes, I do mean Heaven 17. Okay. And you remember their songs, they're quite operatic. Yeah, so, there's one I can vaguely remember. Yeah, and I can't remember what they're called. Um, but, but anyway, the point is, he can do. So because Bowie can be all these different voices and famously all the, you know, different, different albums, different styles, Glenn is a particular Bowie, which right. he's really good at. Right. So he's what, re, which he, Bowie? So he's quite good at sort of Aladdin Saney, right. slightly operatic. So we did time quite well. Right. Um, and he really, you know, gave us all. If he's listening to this, yeah, I, I don't say, think quite well is going to really make him feel great. <laughs> think, sorry, Glenn. Sorry, when I say quite well, he did it better than Bowie. Um, <laughs> and he was, you know, but but when it comes to doing something off Young Americans, say, yeah. or, or Scary no. Monsters, it, you know, it's yeah. just a very different thing. Yeah. And equally, I saw... Um, uh, they did Station to Station with um, Earl Slick recently. Yeah. He played the whole of it, which was amazing, right? Yeah. Absolutely amazing. You got him playing the guitar. I mean, it was, was Glenn again singing? It wasn't Glenn. It was a brilliant <laughs> singer, the backing singer, um, Daryl, I can't remember his surname, who sings with the Rolling Stones. He's a, oh, right. He's a brilliant, brilliant singer. Right. But of course, Station to Station in your mind, but only, but in a way, only Bowie can do it, right? And Well, well, well we, a question I want to ask on this podcast, I don't know if there'll be time in this episode, mm. is has anyone ever covered Bowie successfully but I do think yes. uh, getting back to the uncool thing I'd like to bring up one particular element of that I know you've got specific moments mm. but I've got a more generalised mm. point I was talking about this to my daughter I'm a comedian and I yeah. am not a character comedian in general although I've done the odd character but you know I watch character comedians and I think that's a character Alan Partridge that's a character David Brent that's a character it's got lots of backstory you can really imagine everything it's going to say you sort of know where they live right uh, that Aladdin Sane Mm. Is he actually a character? Mm. What's, the, what's the one on uh, Diamond Dogs? The weakest, Jack, ca- the weakest Jack, character of all is, is Halloween Jack. Yeah, Halloween Jack. Who is it's, Halloween That is Jack? not a character. I'm That's an eye patch. That's an eye patch. I'm not buying that. Right? Uh, so are any of them characters? Ziggy Stardust is the nearest to a character, I would say. You actually have a sense of Ziggy, right? He was a pop star, yeah. possibly an alien. You know, he burnt himself out or whatever. But people really talk about that. Like the Thin White Duke, again, not a character. I don't Thin know, White I... Duke, it, no, it's just like a, an outfit and, <laughs> and an attitude. I, I, I want to compare yes. it to Alan Partridge. No, right? okay. Well, in terms I of what a character yeah. is. I think, well, compared to Alan Partridge, Bowie is really poor. A shit, <laughs> he's, a shit, <laughs> he's a shit character. I think that's unfair. Comedian. Compared to Steve Coogan. He's comedian, Corinthian caricature, as you well know. Oh, actually, so. I would have to strike off comedian from that <laughs> list based on his characters. None, st- of them, none of them ever made me laugh, for a start. Well, he... Is it possibly he, Halloween Jack? 
<laughs> because it's so shit. No, I'm just trying to think which on that list he would be because you could end up striking them all off if we're not careful. But yeah. we, we love him too much to, to really analyse him. In no, that I sense. love but the idea of the characters. I only really love them in terms of I, what, what they meant for the music. I don't know how much he, for example, talked about... Uh, this is what's so funny about it. Because he's so cool, as we said earlier, because he's so cool and because he's so... if you're, There's a sincerity. Yes. It's funny when you talk... So. I don't know why I find it funny to think, did he ever, did David ever say, I am Halloween Jack? Well, I think did he, he did. I, I, or did. I think when Bowie talks about the characters. Did he say he, that? Uh, and, I know he mentions like, it. Like when he's, when he's not doing the characters anymore. Mm. So there's loads of interviews in, yes. in the sort of mid to late 90s where he sort of says, like Mike Yarwood used to at the end of Mike Yarwood's show, and this is me. This is me. Right? He's like, I've, fe- I've mm. had enough with the characters. Mm. I'm coming out as me. Mm. I'm just going to sing my songs. And, and mm. it led to that rather sincere period, which I saw I saw a lot of him at that point doing shows where he was just doing the songs in a kind of like smiley, slightly ironic. Like the entertainer. But, yeah, sort of, yes, you know, but yes. I'm going to own these, which was yes. a nice period, uh, if not as great as the great mm. times. Mm. But there was also a sense of like, hey, I'm retiring. I'm never going to do mm. Halloween Jack again. Yes. <laughs> you know? And you kind of think, well, it's not a great loss to character creation. I, I think I, Halloween I, Jack is, an, well, we mustn't get obsessed with Halloween Jack, but... <laughs> I think Halloween Jack is is not one that he. I don't think you reel that off when you're saying which character. I mean, what is ha- what? Let's let's just let's get yeah. obsessed with him for a minute. Yeah. Because in terms of you know the Alan, Alan Partridge, we know he like lives in a travel lodge. Okay, mm. he, we know who his, his PA mm. is Lynn. Right, he mm. got he got sacked by the BBC. Yeah. He, he told Tony Hayes to smell the mm. cheek. You know, we know a lot about yes. him. Yes. Halloween Jack. What do we actually know about him? Halloween Jack Where's was a real live? cool... He's a real cool cat. cat. Yeah, and he lives he, up uh, on Manhattan Chase. Oh, well, he does live on Manhattan Chase, that's true. Um, we do know that about him. Then, then what happened? Did, something, did he say something else? What I would say is these are lyrics of a song yes. rather than an, or, you know, an active character uh, thing. Well, I think there is... So I think there's... there's well, so there's the... the, the inevitably, the, the people talk about the theatricality of Bowie, yeah. these char- as you say, these characters that, that he inherits. They're not... They're not there aren't rich backstories. I think, no. as rich backstories go, Halloween Jack is the weakest, yeah. um, arguably. I think I think there's a sort of Ziggy, there's a Ziggy goes to America type thing, which gets you to Aladdin Sane. Mm. And I think Ziggy then continues. So I think Halloween Jack is sort but of Aladdin Ziggy- Sane. What what is Aladdin Sane again? Well, Bowie said it's it's the next level to Ziggy, as in when he goes to America. Right. I think um, I think they're indistinguishable. I think they're never in the same room, are they? And I think that well, what they no... are is is the it's the lightning stripe. That's really, that's my point. Is yes. that what Bowie said was character? Yes. Most of the time was a look and an attitude yes. and an incredibly powerful. I mean, brilliant, astonishing yes. look and attitude. Because one of the things about Bowie, apart from music, that is astonishing, is I think you can see him uh, in those periods when almost everyone else was looking utterly ridiculous. Possibly not Mark Bolan, but almost everyone else. You, you turn on the telly and every pop star looks absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Um, and Bowie looks amazing and he's pushing the boat out. He doesn't, I mean, you know, some pop stars you could say, well, they don't look uh, ridiculous because Robert Plant kind of looks all right in jeans and with his mm. with his chest out. Uh, <laughs> but, but Bowie is not... You should, you should do his PR. <laughs> <but. laughs> yeah. thought, he's got that on his cards. Jeans <laughs> and chest out, if you like. Uh, but Bowie is not doing that. He's not just, you know, carrying on from the 60s and being a hippie, which he was at one point. He's doing as much as he possibly can to look weird, and he looks brilliant at a time when the attempt to look weird went very wrong for almost everyone else. He does look brilliant. I mean, I I maintain that the Thin White Duke is actually quite a good, strong character. Okay, what's his backstory? Where does he live? Well, but the trouble... He lives, he lives in Berlin. He's got that whole... 
So when you get to station to station... You're a TV executive. Yeah. Right? Imagine you were a TV executive mm. in 1977. Mm. Uh, forget the fact you, you, you had idolised David Bowie. Mm. He comes to you and he says, mm. you know, I did this station to station album. Mm. I'm thinking about a TV show now called The Thin White Duke. Mm. It's, a, mm. it's a kind of comedy drama mm. with bleak, bleak elements of it mm. set in Berlin or whatever. Would you have commissioned it? I, or would you have said, you know what, I think you need to go work on the character? So convinced. I'd be worried about how you address a duke. So convincing right. is because I don't know what you say. Because I think... I think, no, you're right. You wouldn't necessarily do a thin white Duke TV extravaganza or sitcom or something. But I think in the context of the music, it was very clear what I felt. It was very clear what the thin white Duke, which is, which is a brilliant thing about Bowie's end up talking quite seriously about yeah. characters like this. Thin white Duke was, you know, there was the cocaine, there was a slight sort of European thing. Berlin. But that's Bowie. That's not the character, is it? Oh, well, this is the fun. I didn't yes. think the character was taking cocaine necessarily. Well. Was he? Well. Like he was, Bowie was definitely taking, he yeah. lived on milk and I'm, cocaine for about 10 years, but... I, I don't. If think... you're asking me, do I think Bowie and the Thin White Duke are two separate people? <laughs> yeah. I've got to tell you, they definitely weren't. They, no, they were weren't. the same person. No, but in his mind, that's yes. the point. I think Bowie thinks they are because I, I think uh, you're right. He wasn't comfortable yes. in his own skin. Yes, and and so he created a way of being yes. comfortable and, and incredibly cool on yes. stage and you know in on record through the idea of characters. But I don't think they were characters. Yes, that's my point. When he's interviewed, I think it's Russell Harty, an extraordinary interview on YouTube. It's a br- the yeah, YouTube I, I, one and, that's and, a brilliant interview. And it's incredible. And Bowie... Well, Partly because of Russell Harty. Well, Russell Harty... such an old figure, and you think, how, what, what was telly like in those yeah. days? Well, there's that, you know, and exactly. It was like... Uh, uh, um, so he's interviewing Bowie, and Bowie's... There's a few of them, but the one you probably recall is when it's sort of 75, 76. Bowie's in America, isn't he? So yeah, it's and he's coming, by, he's coming back to Britain. Come back, and Russell is yeah. really dismissive of it and tries to sort of make him feel uncomfortable uh, and belittles think, him. Because it's a whole different cultural thing going on at that point, which is I think the mainstream culture is still not really taking pop music very yes. seriously. And Russell Hart is sort of from that BBC mainstream culture. And he's he's sort of saying, oh, I'm going to be a bit raised eyebrow and ironic. But Bowie is so ex- amazing. He's so amazing. And clever and cool. Yeah, and cool. Uh, that, that you kind of think like, you can see the mainstream culture losing ground yes. at that point. You also, he's got a very sweaty upper lip. Russell Hardy, which he always did. I think did he, he? he was absolute king of having a sweaty, a sweaty lip. A sweaty I wonder what that was about. Actually, I've got it up. Actually, I've got it here on my computer. I found the uh, Bowie on Russell Harty 1975 interview, uh, and this is the bit that I think shows what I'm trying to talk about here and what you're trying to talk about, which is there's a kind of uh, patronising, condescension, BBC grandee sort of thing going on towards pop music in general. And it can be illustrated in the fact that uh, Rosalati brings up a band of the time as a way of saying to Bowie, well, you know, pop music is this now in, in Britain. You may not know this. And what I think is ridiculous is that this is the band who sort of associates with Bowie. This is the one who thinks, oh, well, Bowie will, you know, it's sort of on a plane with this band, aren't they? This is it. Have you heard of the Bay City Rollers? Yes. Well, you know that they're, they're appealing to a kind of large mass hysterical audience of young people yes. who wave a lot of stuff around. Now, I wonder what kind of audience you're going to come back to face. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in a kind of way. You may have to create a whole new scene for yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that no. Because I think that no, that refusal to say... Oh, yeah, I'm a bit like the Bay City Rollers, aren't I? I suppose I'll have to find ways of myself of probably wearing tartan clothes, and uh, which he did a bit, but anyway, of tartan clothes and waving scarves. He doesn't do that. He won't have it. He's not going with and I suppose what you... Russell Harty wants him to be, which is sort of silly. 
And I suppose you've got, in a way, haven't you, that old divide, which you feel quite nostalgic about now, which is, I guess some people watching that would take Russell's side, right, yes. obviously, yeah, yeah. and thinking, who is this weird guy with orange hair, who, yeah, who's obviously on drugs or whatever. And whereas we're all thinking, Dave, how, you know, leave him alone and, and feeling incredibly protective over Bowie. As you say, he's so difficult to interview on. He's so confident in a strange way. If he was a boy who was in trouble at school, he'd be just the teacher would just have given up. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned school because uh, there's a phrase now which wouldn't have been around then about something that some kids do called school refusing. Uh, which is a very serious syndrome where kids refuse to go to school. But what I think Bowie is doing here, Bowie is doing here, is he's Bay City Rollers refusing. He's refusing to be put in a box with the Bay City fucking rollers. And it's a very important thing at some level. He's saying, no, 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 I am actually an artist of worth and importance. And Russell, you're wrong. I'm actually feeling retrospective anger about it now. <laughs> These <laughs> the Bay City Rollers, you wouldn't even say were an offshoot of Bowie, would you? They're not even that. No, no but that's that's his mistake. That, yeah. That's it. Because all he's say, thinking from his silly middle-aged BBC point of view is, of course, pop music and girls getting hysterical, it's one and the same thing. It's the Osmonds, it's basically Rose, it's David Bowie. And how wrong is that? You can't talk to Halloween Jack like that. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way other than just to be in awe of him, right? Yeah. Because he is the complete article. At that point, he's heavily into cocaine, mm. and so he is sort of that alien manufacturer. Although he's very under control at that he's point. He's very under compared control. Compared to what he's like in the Dick Cavett interview, yes. where he's absolutely off his face yes. on cocaine, still manages to perform on the Dick Cavett show, Amazingly. I believe, Fame and Young Americans. Yeah. Incredibly brilliantly. I think he was someone who, certainly off stage, or maybe even on stage, was always trying to do what T.S. Eliot calls uh, design a face to meet the faces that you meet. Okay. I thought at some level Bowie felt, as you say, uncomfortable in his own skin yes. and was thinking, how can yes. I make myself someone these people want me to be? Yes. Which is sort of amazing because at the, at the same level, all of us are watching him thinking he's the most extraordinary person ever. Yes. But I think in himself, he was thinking how can I make myself more amenable to what people want me to be? No, exactly. And I think, you know, he said one of the coolest things ever, apart from I know where to stay out and, and I know where to go. Uh, I, no, I'm doing a Bowie now. I'm getting the lyric wrong. I'm just, but absolutely your, your mouth's doing a bit dry. It, I'm just doing it really clearly and sincerely, making yeah. it, rendering it even more ridiculous. So you've described it to me as a mantra for life. The greatest <laughs> thing ever said by any philosopher in Western history is this. But you've, I want you to tell me what it actually is that David Bowie said. I think I actually, I even went global history. I didn't even just... Right, really, global history. So Western Confucius, Western history, everybody. Yeah. I, he, he, he says, um, I know when to go out, <laughs> I know when to stay in, get things done. Yeah, okay. Is what let's I think. See, let's see what it is. There we are, Tim Hinks. Got it absolutely I'm word delighted. for word correct. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad you got it word for word correct. I don't know if I completely agree <laughs> that it's the greatest <laughs> philosophical statement in the history of Western or indeed global thought. I, I do, I know what you mean. What's a better one? I, I know what you, uh, um, I can't think of one <laughs> immediately. Uh, once you pop, you can't stop. <laughs> uh, which I believe is the Pringles slogan, which is um, very, very true. Which is on the Pringles. Here's which, an interesting thing about that: mm. is um, I once had a, uh, a childcare person, lovely person called Mel, and I gave her a Pringle, and she said, "It's true what they say: once you pop, you can't stop." And I said, to, told that to a friend of mine. It was in fact Jonathan Ross, and he said he'd never heard that said in the wild. By which he meant, I thought, that saying mm. that unironically 
Saying what, it's true mm. what they say, once you pop, you can't stop. Mm. But you would have thought it's impossible to say mm. ironically. Try it. Have a go. So once, just say the words now. Well, the thing about Pringles is once you pop, you can't stop. It's <laughs> so yeah. completely it's not, ironic to me. But she managed it. it but if you, I know you don't necessarily think that is the greatest thing ever, but yeah. the thing about that is it's not true. What? It's not true that once you popped, you can't stop. It's well, just terrible to think to say about Pringles. <laughs> it's just, I think they're really good. And if they want to sponsor this, we'd be delighted. But it's not true that you can't stop. Whereas what Bowie is saying, and I think what I love about what he's saying there, is that he's talking about himself. So he's saying, I, you know, he's talking about his own enlightenment. I know mm. when to go out and say, and you sort of feel, oh, that just makes me love him so much because he's just sorted. And of course... What we know about the Bowie backstory, he's... So you're he's, saying that as a person, as mm, a human being, mm, if you reach the zen point mm, of knowing when to go out and when to stay in, mm, get things done, I'm not sure about that postscript, but it was actually needed, but that, that is the perfect state of being. Okay, well, let me, let me try this. That's I, I, like in uh, Scientology, uh, that's level whatever it is. 42. Is that what it is? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, level 42. No, that's... What is it in Scientology? I, I honestly don't know. There's, 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 I know that... When you go clear, that's what it is in Scientology. You go clear, you've reached the highest Tom Cruise, David Miscavige, you know, level of uh, uh, absolute total being with the Lizard King. Right. So like that. I know that Paul McCartney famously, when he, you know, first smoked, well, I don't know, first be smoking... Marijuana, as they called it, and he, he's in a hotel you mean marijuana, suite. as they called it. Well, didn't they, 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 what, did, what did they call it in the six? I mean, you know, you could, pot, hash, dope. Pot, pot, I mean, they very yeah. rarely called it marijuana. <laughs> they called it, yeah. um, what wouldn't have been called marijuana, but would have been called pot. Yeah. They, he smokes, I think he's with Bob Dylan in there in some hotel, and he calls Mal Evans, the sort of faithful roadie over, and says, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And he gets him to write down what's on his mind. Right. And then the next day, Mal says, you know, you... you by the way, you told me this was the meaning of everything, and here it is. And written on the piece of paper is, there are seven levels. That's Really? Well, according to Paul McCartney, he tells that story. Uh, there are seven. Wow. So, so that um, but, is, but you is also another But you wouldn't stamina. claim but, that to be the greatest philosophical well, statement in I wouldn't, because firstly, there are nine levels, as yeah. we all know. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that. But what I, what, what, I was going to try this on you. Because is that in Celebrity Wipeout? How, <laughs> how true, if, how off... A description of you is this. The thing about David Baddiel, not Bowie, is he knows when to go out and he knows when to stay in, get things done. How true on a scale. <laughs> if 10 is absolutely, you've nailed me, yeah. and nought is couldn't be further than the truth, where are you on that? I'm quite low on that. You don't know when to go out. Yeah, because I, because like even last night, uh, I was going to my, I play football on a Tuesday night. Uh, with a, I've done that for years um, with a bunch, a team called the Snake Pit Strollers. Uh, number of old showbiz lags are in that team. Uh, and I was also invited to quite a glamorous thing, uh, which was David Williams, the famous children's writer and television personality, had invited me to a drinks party. And I didn't know which one to go to at all. Uh, I mean, I went to the football one, which I think speaks well of me, because although there were some reasonably famous people there, I, it was the less glamorous thing to go to. And I I'm very sure much you'll... enjoyed myself, but I was at home thinking, I don't know which one of these to go to, nor do I even know whether I want to go to either of them, because I've been to quite a lot of parties this week. It's Christmas when we're recording this. Perhaps I should just stay in, you know. So um, that, in a way, couldn't be further from In fact, I phoned is. you on Saturday, yeah. as you were at a party that I was thinking of going to, but in the end I went home, and at that very point, I didn't know whether to go out no. or stay in. So you couldn't be further from Bowie's 
Yeah. Like, you, I, you, having you, said that, I, I think of myself as quite a sorted human being. But what, what you're so maybe what, you're wrong that that is the key element to life. <laughs> well, what you're saying is, I I'm definitely going out. There's no question of me. It's less catchy. Yeah. I'm definitely going out. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm not going to say I just don't know where to go out, but I'm definitely going out, and I'm definitely not going to get anything done. <laughs> dum, 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 dum. <laughs> yeah, it's rubbish. It's really yes, not. So, it's a terrible so, intro to modern life. If nothing else, Bowie's scans better. <laughs> no, he definitely knew how to introduce his early '80s work. But I remember being I very comforted by him saying that because I remember thinking, as a fan of his. He's done all, you know, in, in crude terms, he's done all these drugs and had such a difficult time. Yeah. And now he's reached this I thing, see. you know, and it felt like a really big thing to say. Yes. And I felt, I'm so glad for you. Yes. Um, I don't know if it was absolutely true, given what happened in the 80s and 90s. I mean, I would have said that he should have stayed in all throughout his tin machine period. <laughs> It'd have been much well, better off not going to the studio we may disagree or anything. That. So I feel we, we should end at this point because we've, we've really started to talk incredibly uh, intimately microscopically about Bowie and we'll be doing that forever from now on until we die I think there genuinely is no limit to it there's no limit Um, unless you're a listener perhaps well yeah (laughs) (laughs) for us yeah that might be for the podcast charts Uh, but it is literally that once you've popped Bowie you cannot stop is what perfect if you're interested anymore to hear us warbling on about incredibly specific and microscopic details about Bowie do listen to uh, the next episode of this podcast. You can also, I'm going to tweet on my Twitter feed, which is called Abadil, any links to uh, this show and also to a playlist that we're going to be building up uh, of these various songs that we refer to. Uh, and maybe there'll be a helpline as well for people who are upset <laughs> and in despair having listened. Um, but we're going to go out on uh, this cover of Chant uh, of the Ever-Circling Skeletal Family by David Bowie from Diamond Dogs. We're not going to tell you uh, who it's by. I don't know who it's by, but you can find out if you listen to episode two. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.